everyone. My name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. podcast where we talk about fan fiction. Each episode, we bring three fics to discuss, one pick from each of us. Uh, Nick, what's your pick for this week? So my fic for this episode is called Come to Grips with a Sky That is Gaping by Orphan Account on AO3, and it is an American girl doll fic. Kit Ruthie, everyone. <laughs> That's what's up. All the American girl fanatics in the house. I did this Woo! for you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Reed, what did you bring for this up? Uh, my fic is Worldwide Lonesome by Loin Dexter. It's a BTS fic. It is Min Yoongi, Kim Sook Jin. I am afraid to talk about this fic. Um, no, I love it so dearly, but I'm probably gonna cry. Anyway, <laughs> Bren, what is your pick? Yeah, my pick is 15 Men in September by Ballantine. It is a Black Sails fic. It is Flint Silver. Um, God, it's probably one of my favorite fics, like, ever in the whole world. I'm also scared to talk about it, both because I could cry, but also because I could also just go on, like, an hour-long TED Talk by myself, <laughs> and I don't know that that's what anyone wants from this podcast. Uh, Ficklets, if you see that the length of this episode is, like, three hours, <laughs> you've been warned. You know what's happened. <laughs> yeah, it's okay, we can cut that part out for our Patreon exclusive in the future. Oh, okay. Sounds good. I know everyone really wants <laughs> footage we've cut out of the show. <laughs> it's just a special episode I've recorded in the middle of another episode. Ooh. Oh, I think that sounds perfect, actually. That's pretty good. Um, hi, Ficklet. So it's been a couple of weeks since we last recorded an episode. And um, like we mentioned last time, we are not currently all recording from the same place. That is how we used to do it. But due to current circumstances, we are not in the same homes. Well, I am not in the same home as Reed and Nick, at least. Yeah. Um, so hey, Reed and Nick, what have you guys been up to recently since I've last talked to you, which was yesterday? Yeah, <laughs> friend, I honestly thought you would never ask. Um, <laughs> because things in my life have changed since yesterday. Oh, wow. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. So aside from the thing that's like the main event of this conversation, I also have been writing a lot. Uh, I am writing for a big bang. I accidentally started writing a fic that is going to need like 100,000 words. We're like 30k in. We're doing pretty well, but I need to write approximately 2,600 words every day for the rest of April. Uh, we're in the middle of it now for, uh, for reference. Uh, in order to finish this even close to on time. So I have been writing up a storm, uh, reading a bunch of fic, but that's not new. And, okay, get ready, everyone. Uh, if you listened to last episode, you will know that I mentioned briefly uh, hit TV series uh, The Mole, which first aired in 2001. Um, I had only, at the time, read internet forums of it during a high school class that I took over the summer on Photoshop. <laughs> You know, finish your assignments early. You gotta find something to do online, right? Uh, for me, it was reading forums about the mole. How, like, how did you even get there? <laughs> like, how did know. you even stumble across forums for the mole? Hey, we were all sixteen once. Yeah, that's <laughs> not what I was doing. 
Your experiences are not universal. <laughs> well, I recommend it highly. But um, since I had never actually watched the show, I decided yesterday, what if I watched season one of The Mole? It's on YouTube. Um, so I watched all nine episodes between yesterday and today, which is the first TV show I have watched since, I think, November, when I watched um, season 15 of Hell's Kitchen. So... <laughs> Uh, I would just want everyone to know The Mole uh, is good. It's one of the best television series that has ever aired. Oh so my god. I would highly recommend it. Uh, Ficklets, if you watch, um, please uh, tag your live tweets with hashtag FickClickTheMoleWatchParty. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. I highly enjoyed. I did correctly remember who The Mole was in season one. <laughs> I saw them all introduced and I was like, wait, I was like flashing back to the forums that I had read <laughs> like many, many years ago. Anyway, highly recommend, but that is what I have been up to lately. So I thank you for asking, Brenna. You know, I have regrets about having asked, <laughs> but you know, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for the writing. That's what I'll say. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Ficklets, Bren... Um, Brent consumes a lot of TV and like very lovingly uh, as a friend is like hey you know Nick or Reed like I think you might be into this or like here's a show I'm really enjoying that you might want to watch like offers up all of these really thoughtful <laughs> suggestions so hard. Uh, and then Nick's like have you considered watching the 2001 series The Mole on YouTube <laughs> it's like I've honestly mostly given up on even recommending things because I know I know they won't get watched yeah. <laughs> so I asked for recommendations and then I watched one more episode of a show you had recommended to me a long time ago uh-huh and then you complained about watching it and then you watched a it's season so of long. The Mole I'm gonna die <laughs> all the episodes are so long The Mole is it's fast-paced it's action-packed there's betrayals I know I've no I've, I've come to terms with the fact that if I'm gonna rec recommend you something it can only be like a reality TV show. And I know that yeah. now. So I will stop trying to recommend you anything else. <laughs> hey, if I ever watch a scripted series again, it will be one of the ones you've recommended me. You're at the top of my recommendations list. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Bren, what have you been up to? Oh, honestly, not a lot. <laughs> because <laughs> maybe some of you can relate to this, but I've sort of just um, become one with my bed and sort of sunk into routine of most of my hours are spent either lying there, uh, reading fan fiction, contemplating watching TV, watching TV, um, playing Animal Crossing, eating potato chips. <laughs> yeah, I think that kind of covers it. <laughs> Sometimes there's other stuff, but um, yeah, spent a lot of time on my island. Uh, I think I made some good progress in the last couple of days. I'm like happy with how things are coming along. Um, I'm scared to ask Isabel about my island rating, but you know, it's fine. Um, one day I'll be above a one star island. Probably not today. <laughs> God, I don't even know what that means. I don't even have a physical shop yet. It's still a tent. God, Nick. <laughs> I saw um, I saw a tweet that I just so deeply related to that was like, 
Um, it was like, you know, like one of the nice things about Animal Crossing coming out in this time and like it seems like all of my friends are being on it is there's this like sense of community, like blah, blah, blah. And then they were like, one of the worst things is it feels like everyone is out here with like the Taj Mahal of Islands and I'm out here with like not even a real bed yet. Mm-hmm. I feel um, bad because I feel like I'm behind. Like I don't have enough yeah. furniture. I don't have enough islanders. Like, wow, come my to my island and my you'll feel are- so much better. <laughs> I have a lamp on the floor. I have a cot. I have a mirror on the floor and a little radio and that's my whole house. My house looked like that See, one oh, too about two weeks ago. Where'd you get a painting? I bought it. Oh, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, congratulations. My, my island is... Thank you. My island is like a, a little bit more than that. But like, <laughs> then we have like our friends on Twitter who have like beautiful God, like bamboo yeah. forests and I'm like... How did you do How? that? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I am also afraid to ask Isabel about yeah. my rating for my island. No, my students were asking me about like their whole like about how my island's going and they're like oh like do you hang out with your friends and I was like no I hang out alone on my sad island and I run away from spiders and I play Animal Crossing and I'm valid yeah I have hit a few tarantula islands recently which has been really profitable I've paid off a lot of my Uh, debts which is nice and been able to upgrade my house a couple times well I feel like they're really like I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing while mindlessly watching YouTube. Um, so I watched uh, a lot of like mm-hmm. vlogs. I've recently started watching a lot of like booktube videos. I have read zero <laughs> of the books that they talk about, but it's just very soothing. <laughs> and I like a I couple of the girls I watch a lot. Um, one of my like longtime friends gave me some like booktube recommendations, which I thought was really cute. Um, yeah, and then I sort of sit around and I think about how I would like to rewatch The Untamed, and then I am like, Brenna, it's not time yet, don't do it. And then I watch something else, and then while watching something else, I think about how I wish I was watching The Untamed. (laughs) And then I go through, scroll through Twitter, and then I like some memes about The Untamed. (laughs) And then I think about The Untamed some more, so, you know, like if you can relate, I guess. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I was like, I've been rereading some fics I really like recently, and one of them that I had opened but I haven't reread yet is the, uh, it's the BTS Crazy Rich Asians AU. Mm. Mm. It's so good. And like, I do, I do this thing sometimes where like, I know I really love a fic or I'm really going to love it, and so I have it open in a tab, but when I think about reading it, I get too excited and I can't. <laughs> so I've had it open for like a week and I'm just like, ah, but I haven't started yeah, reading it. that's really, really relatable. That's me with years since you've been here, which is also BTS fic, which, like, I know exactly how I'm going to feel rereading it, and I keep, like, wanting to, and I'm like, it's not the right time yet. Like, I have to wait. Yeah. I also have, like, fears about how much I'm going to cry watching The Untamed for a second time, because, like, Mm. there's so much more you know when you go back to the beginning. It's like, oh boy, just those first three episodes are really going to hit different. Hmm. Maybe I won't cry at all. I, wish you luck. I don't think that's true, though. Oh, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think, think that's, that's true. true. <laughs> I love you so very much, but like, I do not think you will uh, do a rewatch uh, without crying. No. Um, yeah, Reed, what have you been up to other than working on your island? Oh, uh, yeah. Apart from just copious amounts of Animal Crossing. Mm. Um, which, a side note, it is, like, it is fun to, like, turn on my Switch and at any given time it'll, like, pop up. It's, like, five friends are online and they're all also playing Animal Crossing. Um, yeah, apart from that, I, huh, you know, Bren, relatable mood about just sort of, like, becoming one with my bed. Um, I have, like, on and off sort of, um, gotten some inspiration to do some writing. So I am, I am currently signed up for a fic fest that doesn't post until 
August. The submissions are end of July, so I have so much time. Um, and I guess I was like, wow, you know, I've been making good progress on this, and that deadline is so far in the future that I thought it would be really fun for me to decide yesterday that I'm going to sign up for a prom fest in which my fake is due in two days. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did have to check, like, right. <laughs> What's life without some excitement, you know? I guess, like, literally right before we started recording Ficklets, I was like, oh my god, hold on. I was like, is my fake due tomorrow? Like, am I going to have to write this fic tonight after we record? No, I still, I have two days. Well, you know, I feel like we don't, we can't experience the sort of, like, small adrenaline rushes that we used to experience. Um, mm. things like going to Target and accidentally spending $80 on nonsense or, sure. um, mm-hmm. merging onto yeah. an LA freeway. Um, so instead we can write thick in two days. That's all we've got now. Yeah. <laughs> so just say like going, going to see Into the Woods performed live and then the most exciting <laughs> part is when you get out of the parking structure where your car is like five layers back in like 30 seconds because you zipped around the back and you're just screaming in the car because you're so excited. Nick and I went to this just like very beautiful <laughs> performance of Into the Woods which is a show I very much enjoy and all of the great. actors were like very notable Broadway people and we were like what an amazing experience and the best part of the night was not having to wait three hours to leave from our parking. We queued up a pod fit because we thought we were gonna have to wait for so long in the car. Um yes that adrenaline rush Brian you're right I think I'm just like trying to chase it and so instead I've just I'm like yeah this prom fest that came across my timeline why not um very uncharacteristic of me I think just like living with Nick is uh motivating me to maybe write more than I normally would which is nice um and then in between my bouts of somewhat productivity is Animal Crossing Mm -hmm. oh actually um maybe one of the most exciting things Maybe exciting is not the right word. One of the more active things happening in my life is Nick and I learning the Boy With Love choreo. Yes. Uh, which is very fun. We're learning to dance like K-pop idols. Yes. Uh, actually, we look just like them. I did learn the chorus, and I told Reed that oh, nice. um, yeah. you guys can be BTS, and I'll just do Halsey's part, because I don't want to learn any more than that. I love that, that. so much. <laughs> but I know it now, and I'm ready. Uh, Nick and I have each picked uh, one member of BTS mm-hmm. to emulate, um, and arguably, like, you could drop us in the middle of a concert and we could replace so. them and no one would notice. You would not know, yeah. <laughs> the skill match is unreal. <laughs> There's just, uh, it's been very fun. Like, we just put up a mirrored dance video and then we follow it to the best of our ability. And we There's, can't see ourselves, we so. cannot see ourselves. Sometimes I look over at Reed and I'm like, I think we're doing slightly different moves, but I don't worry about it. <laughs> There's one part consistently where every single time we both just sort of like, yell because we don't know what's happening yeah min young it's part of the process why why is the choreo around your part just so difficult yeah anyway um so that's fun (laughs) that's a thing entertaining my days that's about it i don't know i think maybe theoretically other things are happening in my life but Eh. who even knows at this point We'll do more fun stuff in the next two weeks. Yes. And we'll update you all. <laughs> we'll have more to report back on. Nick will give you a play-by-play of, is there even a season two of The Mole? Did it yes. keep going? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I have it queued up on my laptop. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> well, hey, should we talk about fan fiction? Yeah, I guess that's why we're here. So my fic for this episode is called Come to Grips with a Sky That is Gaping, which is uh, a lyric from a Joanna Newsom song. Just a fun fact. I haven't listened to it, but I did look it up because I was like, this must be a poem. It's a song. Um, it's by Orphan Account. So the author abandoned this fic in, in the snow 
many moons ago, I think, but that's okay. And it is an American girl fic, uh, specifically about Kit Kitridge. Um, it is a Kit slash Ruthie fic. It also features uh, Kit's good childhood friend Sterling. Uh, we'll get into them, you know, later as we talk about the actual piece of fanfiction. But another fun note about this is that it was written for Yuletide 2010. So Yuletide, uh, we've mentioned it before, but for those who are new or who forgot, Yuletide is a essentially a giant fic fest for fandoms that don't generally get a lot of love. So someone's like, here's my super niche thing that I want that no one will write me, that I don't want to write it myself. And then someone else is like, love that, I'll do it. Um... Brent and I participated yeah. this past year. Yeah. Legends. Which was fun. I love it. So Yuletide Sick, um, I had a fun time. I actually found this fix. I was going through an older collection just because I think there's so much. Like when you're looking on AO3 and you're looking at stuff by Kudos, you miss so much stuff like this <laughs> that is so interesting and well done and just kind of obscure. So I don't know. I wanted to bring something a little different. Uh, so that's this fic. Um, there, in terms of content warnings, there's really not a lot. It's short. It's like 4,000 words. Um, the only thing I would say there is some like instances of period typical implied homophobia and sexism. Nothing is overt. Um, but you know, if you're sensitive to that, just, uh, here's your heads up as you read it. So yeah, um, that's this fic. I really, really love it. I think it's very concise and it's very... Uh, it lets the reader do a lot of work that it, it doesn't like do the work for you. And I like that. You have to kind of figure out how you feel about it and how you feel about things. Uh, the general premise is that Kit works as an assistant at a newspaper. She wants to be a reporter. It's her ultimate dream. Uh, she lives with Ruthie. They kind of have like a, a, a gal pal roommates thing going on where people are like, ah, they're just roommates. And they're like, well, we're in love, actually. <laughs> Um, and then Sterling is Kit's childhood friend who she ends up interviewing for an article that she's given. So the whole fic is like a few scenes over a couple of days and that encompasses most of it. So yeah, that, I know I, that was an exciting plot summary <laughs> that I just gave. Um, but I wanted to know what y'all thought about this one. Yeah, um... I was like, oh, okay, American Girls, like, Nick, back at it with the really obscure fix. Yeah. Um, but they've been hits before, and this one was another <laughs> hit. Good job. So like you said, it it asks the reader to do a lot of work. Um, um, it's, it's very short, um, and it is very different in tone and feeling, but as soon as I finished it, my first thought was that it reminded me of... Um, a fic we have done before on the pod on our very first episode actually called Every Man I Fall For. Um, and the reason that it reminded me of it is, is because it is sort of, it's a little snapshot of a life that is not perfect and arguably like not necessarily like good in a lot of ways. Um, and when it ends, it doesn't end on anything definitive. Like you don't get any resolution from this fic. Um, there's a lot of like questions that go unanswered. Um, which is also sort of how I felt about Every Man I Fall For. Um, but both fics are, like, really smart with what they do in the short amount of space that they're using. Um, they convey a lot of emotion. Um, so I really liked it. I really liked the experience of reading it. Um, I have just, just zero knowledge about American <laughs> Girls. Um, I was not, like, an American Girls, uh, 
like not very into them as a kid. Um, I don't know literally anything about them. So I just sort of went into this like kind of treating everyone like OCs. And I still think it worked like mm-hmm. really well. Bren, what were your thoughts? Yes. Hello. Um, it's me, Brenna, our resident American girl expert. <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately, I do have knowledge of Kit. <laughs> um, she was my favorite American girl when I was a kid. I didn't have any of the dolls, but I had like all of her books. And then a few years ago, I briefly also worked at an American girl doll store. So <laughs> um yeah, so it's just like a little bit of a weird experience for me in that regard. Like, this is not something I would have ever expected there to be fan fiction about. Or like, I also probably wouldn't have clicked on it on my own because sometimes it feels weird to read about like childhood stuff. I, this one was like very well written and I didn't really feel weird once I actually started reading it. But I was sort of like, oh no, <laughs> at first, like, <laughs> that's my childhood imaginary best friend sort of feeling. Um, but I don't know, I think I had a pretty different reaction to it from read like when when you said the that it reminded you of like every man I fall for I can definitely see that in sort of like the atmospheric tone and like the what what kind of scenes that we get from the characters but I think for me that fic was a pretty bleak imagining of like what real life is like and like this one felt pretty happy to me like in a way it feels like, more than what I would have expected Kit to have. I don't know. Like, I think there's the side of it where it's like, okay, if I think, I think if, like, the publishers were going to write a follow-up for Kit where she's, like, a 20-something-year-old, it would probably be pretty happy, and she probably would have gone to college, and she probably would have a job like this, um, because she did want to be a reporter. But if you think about it in the actual, like, real-life, like, historical situation where she's, like, growing up in the Great Depression, and you think about, like, what opportunities are afforded to, like, her family and her and all of that kind of stuff like this is better than I think things would have probably turned out for like a real life girl like that um so I don't know I kind of was like pretty happy reading it I was like wow Kit like things are pretty good like honestly much better than like I would have expected like it kind of while it, while it wasn't like all sunshine and rainbows I think like it was kind of nice to see her grown up and like mostly like kind of as happy as she could be for the situation she's in. Like, things are definitely not perfect, but, like, overall, they're pretty good. Like, she has a job that's doing kind of what she wants to do, which isn't really a thing that, like, a lot of women were allowed to be doing. And she gets to live with Ruthie, and she got to go to college, and she gets to have this sort of, like, independent life. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think for me, like, it read pretty happy overall. (laughs) I feel like I was in between the two of you. That's really interesting. Because I think, like, for me, the situation that she's in did feel like an extension of characterization, in a sense. Like, if if the defining trait of Kit is, like, pluck and determination and curiosity, then it makes sense that this is how it would manifest in a future that she has. That this would be the job that she has, and, like, these are the things that she values and wants for herself. I think that there was... And maybe it's just the realism of it, the bleaker edge of, like, what what else is there for her to get beyond what she has? Like, because her, her idealism and her determination hasn't faded, but there is almost a sense of, like, stuckness. I don't know, not to keep talking about every man I fall for, which is perfect. If you haven't read it, Ficklist, just go read it. Um, but a line from that fic talks about feeling like a bug caught in amber and, like, watching things happen. And that 
almost was how parts of this fic felt to me like how the situation with Ruthie is very uncertain they're not sure if she's gonna have to go like back to live with her family or not how um like there is Sterling kind of comes back and there's this reintroduction of her past even though things are moving in a different direction how she how Kit she is like so excited about how she went to college. I thought that was actually really sweet. She told Sterling like three times in like one day, <laughs> like, oh, I went to college. I went to college. Um, but I don't know. There's just some, there was something there for me about like, and like, this is a big theme that I saw in this fic in general, but like, what, what is she allowed to want and what is she allowed to have? And where are the limits of like dreaming really hard? Like, what, what can she actually have? Um, the ending of this fic is really interesting. I think we'll talk about it a little bit more later. But, like, there is an openness to it that does belie uncertainty. And I don't think that's a bad thing, necessarily. Like you were saying, Bren, like, she already has so much more than you maybe would have expected her to have. But, like, you don't know what she will continue to have or what she'll get to keep. Like, is this fic showing, like, the best mm -hmm. that she gets? Um or is there still more to come? Like, the the fic doesn't tell us one way or another, hardly at all. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think for me also, like, a bit of the st stuckness of it feels very logical. Like, it feels like a really, like, logical grown-up progression of Kit to me. Like, I think what you were saying about, mm -hmm. like, what we take as, like, her sort of, like, driving characteristics like this stubbornness this determination this sort of like yeah pluck <laughs> um but like I think I think what was interesting to me about this fic is that while those are still really present I think she's also kind of learning to see things from different perspectives a bit and I sort of took this fic as like and like her conversation with Sterling in it to be sort of a opening her eyes a little bit to other ways other people are viewing like their current situation and I think I think the sort of stuck feeling of it is sort of a relatable one throughout time as like a 20 something college graduate where like you don't like you have a job and it's not bad but it's not like your dream job and it's like what are you going to be able to like make of it and what's your living situation and I think there's just like a lot of uncertainties in there in general and I don't know I just found it like sort of like transcendent of the time period and more just like a commentary about like the experience of being a certain age and like a certain like living like having lived certain life experiences even though like I obviously didn't grow up in the depression <laughs> but like I think there's things about like Kit's position in this fic that like are really relatable um yeah I don't know I felt like it was for me like it was it felt like a fic about growth and a fic about like it's sort of like, I feel like each of the American Girl, do like, not doll books, just the American Girl books, um, has sort of, like, a lesson in it that's sort of, like, things are often really hard for these characters, and yet there's often something good in it, too. I don't know, it's a little, like, I feel like some of them read a little, like, Little House in the Prairie-esque, you know, like, where, <laughs> and, like, things are tough, and it's historical fiction about these girls, but, like, there's something good, too, you know, like, it sort of has that mm -hmm. feeling to it. They'll um, pull through together. And I felt like this fic kind of had that same thing, where, like, the struggles they're facing are still very, like, real and present, but there are good things in their lives as well. Um, yeah. Well, Bren, in what you were just saying, um... It was making me think about Sterling and the role that he plays in this fic. Um, 
so I gather, probably in canon, but also for this fic, um, that they were, like, childhood friends, but then, um, as, like, Kit grew up, she, like, they, like, lost touch, and there's a whole sort of thing about her sort of deliberately choosing to not continue to write letters to him anymore, um. Well, I think if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong about this, I don't remember the books exactly, I think they, I think Kit's family opens her, their house up to boarders in the Depression, and I think Sterling and his family are some of those boarders. Yes, I also gathered that from the 34-second trailer <laughs> to Kit Kittredge, An American Girl Story, the movie featuring Abigail Breslin. It's like, we're opening up to borders. Why? It's like, oh, that's what we have to do, Kit. That's my reenactment. <laughs> <laughs> There's just, like some context about like their friendship and like why Kit yeah. might not have stayed in contact with him. So yeah, so she doesn't keep in contact with him, and then he, uh, she ends up being assigned to interview him. Um, and as they're like catching up in a coffee shop, like one of the things is like, um, I was just, I, Bren, when you were talking about sort of um, not knowing what you're gonna do and sort of that relatable feeling of the young twenties, um, I guess Sterling is talking about how he's a photographer, um, but he doesn't have a steady job the way that he used to, because um, Kit says something about like the government not needing photographers anymore. Um, so she's like, oh, do you need help? Like, I could probably try to help you. Like, I could get you something at this, like, um, at the newspaper I work for. And he's like, no, it's fine. I know some people. Like, I'll figure it out. Um, and that that also, like, as you were talking, it just made me feel like that is also such a relatable mood for, like, your mm. young 20s of sort of, like, I don't know, I was doing one thing and, like, now it's not quite working out anymore. So I'm going to, like, figure something else out. Um, and I don't know. I, I just thought they were – their conversation together was really interesting, too, because um, – Kit was finding it so easy to, like, fall back into the friendship they had, but also sort of reflecting on, like, all of the things that have changed. Like Nick said, like, three times she's like, I went to college, and, like, that's really exciting for her. Um, But also sort of just reflecting on, like, Sterling and, like, what he's been doing and how, like, their their, like, life paths have diverged. Um, And there's, like, a bit that I really liked where um, she, like, remembers that she used to think that Sterling would make a really good reporter um, because she'd never met anyone more economical than he was with his words. And I was like... First of all, that's just a really good line, but also, like, it was fun watching Kit, like, rediscover a friendship from her childhood and see how some things were the same and some things mm-hmm. were not. Um, I don't know. I really enjoyed him. I really enjoyed his, like, presence and his role in this fic. Yeah. I love that line, too, because, like, this idea that being economical is one of the best things that you can be is, like, so informed by the story. Anyway, love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that, like, there's so much tension in in Kit's experience and then I think too in like the 20 something experience between what you want and what you think you're supposed to want and like the distance between those things and how other people assume like the trajectory that you should be on and like for Kit like she knows exactly what she thinks she's supposed to be doing but there's complications because it's not only about her like you have Ruthie who's like not sure she can even like be supporting herself Kate even mentioned going to a boarding house at one point as an option. Like, I don't know. It's just so interesting. Like, the the tiny little minute power dynamics that we see even within this fic, which is so short. Um, and there's also so much that the setting does here. It's set in Minneapolis. It's set in winter. Like, very deep winter. I think it's, what, February? January? Somewhere in there. Very wintry. Um, and Kit is thinking about how there's going to be at least a couple more months of cold and and snow and how the landscape is still and she walks outside for longer than she has to because she wants the fresh air outside of the claustrophobia of being indoors there is this sense of like 
nature being associated with both stillness and freedom in this fic that I really, really liked. And I thought the dichotomy of those worked super well against what was happening in the fic, which is like so much and also not much at the same time. Nick, sort of going off of what you were just talking about with nature, um, I thought it was really poignant that in the end, so it's like you said, like uh, Kit chooses to like walk the long way home and she's outside and she's in the cold and sort of this like blustery air and she walks past a flower shop um, and she goes in to pick up flowers um, and it says like she decides on a bouquet like bursting with leaves and purple flowers and it's... um, She's, like, musing on the fact that, like, her coworkers are probably going to think that, like, her boyfriend, like, got her flowers. Um, and I think there's just something very striking about this, like, this being out in the cold and, like, the whole thing of winter and then um, the very, like, vibrant life of the flowers and that she's mm-hmm. choosing to give them to Ruthie, who is the one who is, like, struggling the most in this yeah. fic. I don't know. I thought it was nice. It was, it was, um, I don't know what the right, like, word is. Like, it, it. I don't want to say poignant again, but like for an ending, like Touching, for an ending that leaves, yeah, moving. sure. Just for an ending Wonderful. that like leaves you in the middle of a scene. I thought it was like mm-hmm. a good one to end on. Yeah, that scene just kills me. Like, oh boy. I think for me, when it comes to short fix, like what makes or breaks it really is the ending. And I think I've read so many ones that just absolutely stick it that I'm just like, ah, you know, um I mean there's so much there like the first that she is excited about the thought that her coworkers will think she has a boyfriend is like internally crushing to me a little bit just like thinking about Ruthie and thinking about like what they are allowed to have and what they're allowed to be to each other and like that she is bringing her flowers and that she wants to have this conversation and like you don't fully know what that conversation will look like or what they're even fully going to talk about necessarily but just that the way that Kit is framing it in her head and the way in which she like allows herself to be happy about something that's not true but that might be perceived to be true it tells you so much about Kit right at the end and oh god I just have a lot of orphan accounts you've done it (laughs) you've really done it (laughs) this is is really one of orphan accounts best works I just want to throw that out there it's a bold statement because there's a orphan account has quite a lot yeah orphan accounts super prolific but this one just there's something there's something there with with the flowers and the the foreboding it's like almost ominous and it's almost hopeful and it's so open that like I had no idea how to feel when I finished reading it the first time I was like should I be sad should I be happy should I be hopeful do I think it's gonna work and like do I think it's gonna work it's just not a productive question to ask with this fic because that's not really the point like at all the point is just like who is kit in this moment and what are the things that she does for herself and the people around her like what are her hopes it doesn't really matter if her hopes are going to get fulfilled or not i don't think that's really sad thanks blame orphan account (laughs) i don't know i just like it left me with a lot of thoughts and i have feelings too thoughts and feelings both (laughs) the subheader to this podcast (laughs) thoughts and feelings yeah we have them we really do and like I always love reading outside of fandoms I've been in as well I think I mean some of my favorite fics we've done on this pod are ones that are for fandoms that I had no idea like anything about like that snowpiercer fic holy cow it's so good (laughs) did I know what was happening not really (laughs) I mean the fic itself you don't really need to but the the context I was like uh here's a nine minute video about snowpiercer I guess I'll just try and watch this uh, and make it work but like 
you you can get so much and you can learn so much about the way a fandom like within itself operates and how people experience the source material and chose to internalize and transform it i'm going to talk about this more probably when we talk about bren's fic later this episode as well but i think for me that is one of my favorite things about fan fiction that like not only can i read amazing stories about things I already love and care about, but that I can see that same love and care for things that I'm not personally connected with being kind of put onto any content you can possibly imagine. Like, no matter where you look, except for the mole 2001, there's no <laughs> fanfiction for it, but in almost anywhere else, um, like, there is that love, and it's there, and it's present, and it's loud, and it's beautiful, like this fic. Um, and I don't know, it's just one of my favorite things, and it makes me so happy that, like, fandom is a thing that I have been in for this long <laughs> and like likely will continue to be in odds are good <laughs> sure hope so I know yeah so that is come to grips with the sky that is gaping by orphan account it is a story about a girl who lives like two days in her life and in those two days you just get bombarded with emotions also the prose is really beautiful we didn't talk about that but you should read it just for the prose it's lovely um yeah if you want to think about like i don't know adulthood transformations expectations what you're allowed to want uh this this is the fic for you so check it out hey so remember <laughs> at the beginning of the episode i was like i'm doing a fic called worldwide lonesome <laughs> i've changed my mind <laughs> um we're talking about a new fic she got cold feet yeah it's uh it's a it's um it's a yoon cook Fic. Mm. They're married, and mm -hmm. it's just happy. It's just fluff. Nothing what? happens in it. Are you even referencing a real thing? No. <laughs> you made one up. Oh, oh my god. Okay. Reed is a fraud. No, ficlets. Like when I say I have like like genuine fear in my stomach right now. Um. Wow, this fic is so good, but also while we were having a pre-discussion, I like teared up and almost cried like four times, and I have zero faith in my ability to get through this conversation without crying, so fear. Wow, mood. <laughs> I had a great time. Okay, no, but for real, my fic is Worldwide Lonesome by Loin Dexter. It is a BTS fic. It's Min Yoongi, Kim Suk Jin. Um, it is canon compliant. It was written shortly after the 2018 BBMAs. Um, the fic is, uh, after the BBMAs, Yoongi starts bringing men home. So the only, like, content warning I guess I would give for this fic is just that, um, our POV character, Jin, is very deeply closeted. Um, I wouldn't say it's, like, internalized homophobia. Like, he doesn't have shame about being bi, but he just struggles very much with being in the closet, especially as, like, more and more of his friends, um, come out. Um, Spoilers. Yeah. That is, I mean, that is, that is, like, basically the, <laughs> one of the biggest parts of the fic. Yeah. Um, so that's my only, I guess, like, vague content warning. Um, yeah. So as I've kind of said, this fic is, uh, it's about Jin, who just, like he jokes that he just keeps attracting uh queer folk that more and more people in his life just keep coming out um and he does not know how to do the same 
So in 2018, at the Billboard Music Awards, uh, BTS won for Top Social Artist. And in this fic, shortly afterwards, Yoongi starts bringing guys home. And um, everyone in BTS is kind of like, hey, uh, what the fuck are you doing? And Yoongi's like, well, what is the point? Like, we have all of this success. We've won so many things. Like, we keep climbing and climbing. Like, what is the point of all of it if I can't get to be myself? So like, fuck you. I'm going to bring guys home. Um, and so he does. So he brings guys home and he hooks up with them. And then he goes into Jin's room and crawls into his bed and falls asleep with him. And as you might imagine, uh, Jin gets a little fucked up about it. Um, I do not even know where to begin talking about this fic. Um, it is actually like, I think the second BTS fic that I ever read, um, when I was still getting to know these boys and I was like, wow, like this is a really good fic. Uh, rereading it now so so deep in the fandom it was devastating the first time it was brutal on a level I cannot even describe (laughs) this time but like in the best possible way um I know that all I've said so far about this fic is that I'm afraid of it um I I need to stress (laughs) strong selling point (laughs) I need to stress like I love this fic it's so good I would recommend it to anyone um I don't know I could talk just for so long about like the gin of this fic, why this fic had to be gin and no one else, um, what this has to say about, like, queerness and coming to terms with it, both, like, for yourself and with the broader world. Um, before I do, this is a fic that all of us have read before, um, but I would love to know what your reading experiences were like. I say as though all of us didn't talk about weeping as we reread, but, um, yeah, tell our ficlets. What did you think about this fic? Well, hey, ficlets. Um, I mean, obviously, I really love this fic. It was the second fic I ever read for BTS. Um, the first one also was uh, Via Brenna. Um, I think this was my fourth or fifth time reading it. Maybe fifth, actually. It's not that long. It's, what, 37,000-ish? 39? Um, 39. 000. Great. 40K. A little bit less. That's totally doable. Um, like, I like for how you me... say it's not that long. The fic that you brought was 4K. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But, like... In terms of, okay, figlets, you don't, you, you might know this about me. For the most part, I read really long fic. It's just so long that I can't bring my favorites to the pod most of the time. So I then seek out shorter fic for the show. <laughs> Not always. Some of my faves are shorter, but this fic feels very accessible to me in terms of rereading. Like it has a very strong plot. It's not that long. It like has a very, very satisfying emotional arc. Um, and it feels very relatable to me in the way a lot of like, coming out stories in fan fiction really often don't um like for me I first sort of realized I was not straight when I was what 17 and then went over six months without saying a word to anyone and then for the next about year and a half cried every single time I came out to anyone in my life (laughs) like that was just the that was just how it went um I was incapable of not attaching so much like loaded emotion to it And so, like, I felt very close to a lot of Jin's experiences in this fic of, like, really not knowing how to say it, even though there are people around you who make it seem like it's not such a big deal or who are able to, like, have that, like, beautiful, perfect, shining, coming out moment and be happy and just, like, everyone's happy for them and they're having fun and they're finally themselves. And it's not, like, this whole big, stressful, scary thing, like, buried so deep inside of you that you hope no one can find it just by looking at you. But at the same time, you kind of want someone to see it. Like, I think this fic does such a beautiful, empathetic job of bringing forward that kind of an experience in a way that a lot of fic, I think, shies away from. Like, 
that is the center of this fic. It runs through every single plot and subplot through everything. Um, so I really love it. Um, I I, th- I think Ficklets, you might know, I am slightly less um, quick to cry than my, my two very dear co-hosts. I don't know what you are. <laughs> As if I haven't cried like five times today already. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that like this fic, I've cried every time I've read it at the exact same spot too. Like not a lot, like I think um, as I was rereading it for this time, it was just like a little, like I could feel like, you know how you like kind of feel your nose start to sting and you're like, oh boy. <laughs> I don't know that I like properly shed a tear, but I was really getting there and I knew it, I knew it was coming. Like <laughs> I felt this before, <laughs> but like it's, it's nice to read something that can like move you so deeply after reading it so many times. I think that's one of the reasons why this is one of my favorite fics in the fandom. And it's the one that I kind of, um, stole from Brenna the practice of recommending to people when they first enter because even if you don't fully know what's happening like it's so well written that you're still kind of in it and you learn things about the different characters so yeah it's really good is what I mean to say by (laughs) saying all of that um yeah oh boy howdy (laughs) um okay yes I love this fic very much it this is I think my third or fourth time rereading it um I think I, I was trying to think about this earlier, like, it's, it wasn't, like, the first fic I read, but it was definitely one of the first fics I read where I was like, oh, shit, like, the characterization felt so present and so real, and I could, like, really connect to our POV character of Jin in this, that I think it was one of the things to, like, really solidify me being in this fandom, but I think I also had this experience where, like, I read a number of things back to back around the time I read this. Like, I read this, and then I read Delta, and then there were a couple other ones I read all, like, right in a row, and then I felt, like, so emotionally exhausted (laughs) that I was like, oh, actually, JK, I can't, like, read any BTS fic for a while. (laughs) Like, I feel like I got, like, the narratives I, like, really, really wanted out of some of these fics, and they were so perfect and, like, so intense, and then I was like, oh, god, actually, I'm too delicate. (laughs) Um, but this one, it, like, still hits hard. It's really good. Um, yeah, the Jin of this fic, I think, is probably kind of one of my favorite POV characters, like, ever. I was thinking a lot about this fic compared to, um, Honeysuckle Arch, and, like, like, just why I find the Nile of that fic and then the Jin of this fic to be, like, so sort of horribly relatable to me. And I think, like, I mean, sort of similarly to, like, Nick, to you talking about your experiences, but, like, I think for me, there's something about both of those characters that so much of their experience is centered around this, like, sort of doing little things or dressing a certain way or acting a certain way and let it just letting people make assumptions about you and then not contradicting those. And then those sort of just get, like, repeated and repeated and, like, solidified. And then it becomes so difficult to get out of them, even if you kind of want to, but then you're not really sure if you do want to. <laughs> and I find that really relatable in Jin in this one, that he's just kind of let things go on for so long and all of these people who are really close to him like make assumptions and then like everyone else make assumptions too and he's never contradicted them and to watch him like want to say something and then not be able to say it is so hard I mean I think like luckily for me I don't I didn't really have that experience when like I came out but I think 
a lot of what he goes through in this fic in terms of how people perceive him is really relatable to me. Um, I also just like love how he's written in this. I think it's a really good portrayal of who Jin is in a larger sense as well and like what role he plays in BTS. Um, I think the humor in this fic is incredibly well done. I think it says a lot about who Jin is as sort of like the mood maker of the group or how he can play that role um, and how he can play that role even at the expense of himself sometimes in order to make his members feel more comfortable. Um, I think that really helped give me a sense of like who Jin is early on. I mean, now he's my favorite member, so like, <laughs> perhaps we should have all seen this coming. Um, when I read this Mission pic, I was- accomplished AO3 user Loin Dexter. I know, when I read this pic, I was in denial about being a Namjoon bias, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's Jin, baby. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yes, I have also cried every time I read this fic. Um, but yeah, I just really, I think this fic handles Jin so well. I think, I don't remember if it was Nick or Reed who said, like, it, it, this fic could only be Jin, and I think that's so right. Um, I also think it could only be Yoongi, who's, like, the sort of counter to Jin in this fic. Um, I think their relationship is handled really with, like, just with a lot of care by the author, and... It, like, hurts, but it feels good. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm emotional about this fic. As we get into it, I definitely have some things I want to talk about with it. But, like, it was one of mine for my, like, top fics episode for good reason. Um, yeah, and I think on this reread, especially because we had just read Honeysuckle Arch, I was like, oh, wow, okay, hello. Like, I don't actually want to look at myself anymore. <laughs> like, I'm done. Bye, I'll go read something fluffy after this. Um, something we've referred to a little bit is that, like, that this fic uh, could only be about Jin. Um, and one of the things is that, so from the very beginning, like, the first time one of his friends comes out to him and he, at, like, as his friend is coming out to him, Jin realizes that he himself is not straight. Um, he starts this refrain of lean in. Like, when things are really bad, lean in and he leans in with humor so whether it's a friend coming out to him or Yoongi crawling into his bed after he's just hooked up with someone else like it's jokes it's constantly jokes um which is devastating in and of itself but in particular um it was making me think about um so BTS has like a variety show type thing called run BTS um where usually they're like doing all all manners of whack things um I don't know the producers make them do all sorts of like competitions mm -hmm. and challenges and sometimes there's like punishments or prizes it's, it's run bts is whack mm, it's whack it's vibes mm -hmm. yes is it punk rock it's not punk it's rock. not punk rock is it umami it's fucking umami y'all <laughs> it's umami yes. yeah okay just wanted to check um yeah so that's run bts um <laughs> A very recent episode of Run BTS, they all went to a uh, flower shop. Um, it was a very chill episode, relatively. Um, and they all got, like, assigned different types of floral arrangements to create. And Namjoon and Jin both got, like, flower crowns, essentially. Um, and Namjoon made, like, a very cute little, like, pink and blue flower crown. And Jin, from the <laughs> beginning, was just, like, all over the place. Goofin'. Goofin'. Um, he made this, like, wild-looking, like, he attached a few, like, really long stalks of something. 
um, and was like, they were like, it looks like an alien, it looks like a snail, whatever, whatever, this whole thing. <laughs> it was very funny. All of the members thought it was funny. Um, a couple days after the run episode came out, a Teen Vogue published an article um, interviewing um, Florist Isaac, the florist who runs the shop. <laughs> oh, yeah, in the episode. just Florist Isaac. We all know him. Reed is a huge Florist I Isaac stan. I am a huge florist, florist Isaac stan. Um, but yeah, they were they were interviewing the florist about sort of his like experience. Um, he said this about Jin, which just made me want to die a little bit, especially when I was rereading Worldwide Lonesome, um, where the article talks about uh, Jin making this like really wacky sort of flower crown headband thing. Um, and then the article reads, when the shoot was over, Jin approached him to explain that because a lot of the other members are a bit shy, he tried to brighten up the atmosphere and make it funny with certain words or actions, Isaac says. He apologized for anything he had said or done that might have struck me as rude or offensive. I was really touched. I had really enjoyed my time with them, but Jin was always thinking about how his actions and words could affect somebody else. Just? Oh, God? If it's a joke, you don't have to sit with the pain of it for very long because you can just keep moving forward with the punchline. Yeah, that. that I'm, I, I'm saying that about Jin only. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, the humor of this fic also is so interwoven into it because... We get the moments where Jin sort of thinks to himself something like lean in and then he makes a joke and those jokes are usually out loud to whoever he's talking to, whether that be at his sort of childhood friends who remain OCs throughout this or whether it's another member or Yoongi. Um, But he also does it in the narration of this fic, like in the stuff that he isn't saying out loud. Um, And I think that's such a good and interesting choice by this author because it sort of takes this idea that, like, Jin is, like, the mood maker of BTS. Like, he spends a lot of his time making the members feel comfortable, making them laugh. And we see how he's doing that in this fic. We see how he's mood making for Yoongi when Yoongi's upset. Um, or even, like, the other members when they're upset in this fic as well. Like, he's he keeps trying to balance things with humor. But by him doing it in the narration, he's also kind of doing it for us, the reader. Like, we are learning all these things about him that are kind of tough and that the other characters don't know. And it almost feels like Jin is apologizing to us for telling us these things by also trying to make it funny. Um, And I think that's such a good choice. And the thing is, the humor is also genuinely funny. Like, a lot of times I think fic can be humorous, but I don't necessarily, like, laugh out loud. Like, this fic, even though I'm, like, crying, I'm also laughing. Like, there's a moment pretty early on where, like, the first guy Yugi brings back, Jin doesn't know his name, so he just calls him Mesh Shirt. And in the narration, when Mesh Shirt is leaving, it just says a guy whose own mother named him Mesh Shirt, which is hysterical. And Jin isn't making this joke for anyone else's benefit except sort of, like, us, the invisible reader. And... I think it's so good. I think it's one of my favorite things about this fic that I really like thought about more on this reread. Um, just as I was thinking even more about like what I've what I've learned in the past like year of being a BTS fan and what I've sort of come to realize about Jin. And I think like we also see this in his solo songs. Like we see this in what they said about um, like I think there was a quote from Nam June about Jin's like solo song Moon on the most recent album and like how he hadn't realized like what Jin was feeling until Jin brought him the lyrics and like sometimes I'm like okay does fan fiction like write too much of a particular like personality trait into a character like do we just get too used to like AO3 Jin versus like something closer to real Jin I don't we don't know real Jin you know but like I think in Jin's case this sort of idea that 
he does deflect with humor and he does have these things that are really hard for him to say is very real. And I think this fic handles it so well. I don't know. I just feel like I'm just in that like mood where I say like this fic is so good a hundred times. (laughs) (laughs) What else is there to say? Yeah, well, I feel that. And I think the narration too, like not only is he saying these things for our benefit, but a lot of it, like I read it very much as Jin telling himself the story of who he is. And like he almost sometimes, it feels almost like he forgets the humor at certain points and like has to bring it back and bring it back around. And the moments that we see him at his most real are where he kind of forgets to be funny. And that's what we really see in like the the climactic scene, but at a couple other points too. And I don't know. I think there's, it's, it's the stories that he tells himself and it's also the stories he allows other people to tell about him. Kind of like what you were saying in um, your initial reaction, Bren, of like, what is the story of Jin? There are so many and he has control over some and no control over others. Um, Because, I mean, we, we mentioned it's canon compliant. Like this fic does not shy away at all from the fact that like Jin knows he is a public figure very acutely and the reason that Yoongi starts bringing people back to the dorm after the BBMAs is because he essentially says like at one point he picks up the trophy and he's like hey like this is worth literally nothing if we're not allowed to do what we want and be who we are because like what where else is there to go they're global superstars they like have accomplished everything they wanted to and more um how how far do you have to keep going um in order to, I think, Reed, you were saying this pre-discussion, like, what you what you earn. Like, what what do they have to do to earn authenticity yeah, in one at of, least one part of their lives? One of the things um, that I kept thinking about, and it's similar to something you said about with the discussion with your fake, was just sort of, like, what are you owed versus, mm-hmm. like, what have you earned? Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that I think Yunki grapples with a lot in this fic, and as do the rest of them. Yeah, majorly. One line from this fic that really struck me um, that I have really like remembered from that very first um, reading and like I'm not someone who like I love prose and I love certain lines but I don't think I'm someone who like fixates on specific lines very often or like remembers exact lines just like vibes but this one really really stuck with me it reads um, and there's that feeling the one that Sukjin chases across stages and studios and the sheets of his bed some nights of being in cahoots um, so it's him like looking at Yoongi they're like sharing a pretty much silent joke uh, across a room where other people are but it's just them looking at each other and like I think for me, this line really, really feels like, I was talking about this earlier, but like the the blurring of like what you are to someone, what you want to be to them, and like what you can be for each other. Like when those things are all more or less the same, I think that for me is like some of my favorite moments in relationships when you're able to really like break down those walls of like what you want to give someone and be given in return. Um, and I just, I, I love how much we see, like, Yoongi and Jin being able to banter with each other and, like, have fun with it and kick things back and forth. But Yoongi also doesn't necessarily let Jin get away with everything all the time. Yeah, I think, like, for that quote, it's one of the things I had pulled out of the fic as well. And, like, I think it definitely struck me because I think that that's, like, a feeling I can relate to chasing also just in, like, friendships and stuff, too. Like, you it's sort of that like that pure moment of like feeling like you've connected with someone, you know, or like you're on the same page. And I just thought it was such a good way of framing that feeling and like describing that feeling. But I think also in this fic in particular, like the placement of that 
feeling for Jin and like that statement feels particularly queer in this. And I think, I feel like we've kind of talked like around Jin's queerness a bit, but like this is one of those moments that really struck me as like, like we know Jin has been having these feelings, but I feel like this is one of those times where I see it so clearly. And it's not just in like a sort of typical fanfic way where like there's been this bed sharing, there's been these moments and right. like- Yoongi stretches and like a small sliver of skin <laughs> is revealed at right. his waistline and Jin is like, I'm gay. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Bye, please, I Nick. Mean, I think this fic handles like the more sort of quote unquote fanfic y moments really well. Like, I fucking love mm-hmm. the bed sharing of this fic. Like, I love bed sharing in general. Yeah. Like, it's so good. But I think this was one of those moments that was sort of like a commentary on like a, a queer, like a feeling of queerness that was like beyond just like fan fiction for me, if that makes any sense. It does. Oh, fully. I mean, so like leading up to, I mean, like, I guess maybe the climax of this fic. Um, so. We've said before, like, Jin is in a place where, like, all of his friends basically keep coming out. Um, Mm -hmm. We haven't really talked about it yet. It's, like, almost comedic, mm -hmm. except it's super tragic. Oh, yeah. Um, But the first time that this sort of, like, happens to him, his, like, core friend group from high school are five guys, including himself, and over the course of, like, a number of years, all of them come out, and they, like, joke about Jin being the token straight one. Yeah. Um, Which, there's that whole thing. But also, Jin remains close to all of them, which is so good. The OCs yeah. in this fic are so... They're so good. Wonderful. Um, Hanul, who's, like, one of Jin's, like, high school friends who he still remains, like, super close to, um, after, like, everything has been building and building, Jin and Yoongi sleep together and then, like, Jin makes an assumption that Yoongi was just doing it for casual yeah, sex and God. there's a bit where, like, he says... He kind of treats it poorly and Yoongi's like, oh, so that's what it's like to s- sleep with a straight guy. And Jin's thinking, like, this is it. Like, this is where I should come out and just doesn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, he thinks over and over through this fic, like, this would be a good time, this would be a mm-hmm. good time. Also, the connection of that with, like, timing being one of the joke mechanics and the chapters, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. fine. I feel fine. Uh-huh. We're all fine. <laughs> but the first time he, like, officially comes out, he, like, when everything is kind of fucked between him and Yoongi, he calls Hanul, and he's sitting on the phone with him, trying to get the words out. And this is, like, because I think a lot of, like, Jin's like personal path of like his queerness and coming out does not necessarily mirror my own but this I found so horribly deeply relatable where he's sitting with this like thing in his chest that is so massive it feels like it is just going to explode out of him and yet he just cannot make his mouth open like he just can't get the words out so he's sort of like choking and tripping over this conversation with Hanul where he's like Eventually, he comes around to it and, like, Hanul kind of has to offer, like, does it start with a G, with a B? Is it something else? <laughs> like, they get around to the word bi, but, like, even then, like, Jin can't say it directly. Yeah. Um. And the thing about Hanul, too, is, like, he also is, like, a very jokey person. Like, Jin is like, this is why I called you. So there's some, yeah. like, banter back and forth. That, it's like, like, he's the only person who's, like, worse at knowing when to stop joking than Jin is. I love yeah. that line. So, like, Hanul takes it well, but also, like, there's no, like... Uh, deep serious yeah. like discussion of feelings and whatever um and Hanul is like dating uh, one of their friends from high school they've been Dung together Woo. forever Dong Woo um so there's that whole scene and then Jin has still not resolved things with Yoongi like Yoongi mm-hmm. is still very very upset with him and um all of the members come back they have dinner they're all like crowding around the table Jin's sitting there um Dong Woo finds out from Hanul that like 
Jin came out and he's like texting him all of these like lovely supportive things. He's like, Suk Jinna, you're the brightest, best person in the whole world. You're shining. Even if it's sad or uncomfortable, these feelings will pass. Like all of these things. Um, and then Yoongi comes back with a girl. And it's just, okay. Mm-hmm. Up the until t- then it had been only guys that Yoongi was bringing home. It had and been so only it's like guy, such yeah. a slap in the face to Jin. At least that's how he like internalizes it. Mm-hmm. He says that like, before he knew that Yoongi, like, was bi, like, this is the person he would have painted as, like, Yoongi's, like, absolute, like, stereotype ideal. But it's this... I wish I could explain to you, like, the actual pit of dread in my stomach mm-hmm. reading this scene, despite having read it before and despite knowing, like, how it went. It is this horribly, yeah. horribly tense, like, buildup where Jin is looking down at his phone and he's getting, like, text after text after text from his high school friends who are being so supportive and he's looking at Yoongi bringing this girl back. Yeah. And it's this like snapshot. It's like, if I talk to Yoongi now before they go into the room, supportive text, supportive text. If I talk to Yoongi before they shut the door, another supportive text. If I talk to Yoongi before the music starts. <sighs> and he's just sitting there frozen. And the fic goes, so he's, he's looking at his texts. Um, it goes, one of us. It reads joyously. One of us, <laughs> one of us, one of us. This is the part that has made me, that specific line is the one that made me cry every single time I read this fic. Um, it's followed immediately by Jungkook going, Hyung, are you crying? Uh, hey, wow. Let me just astral project into the sun. <laughs> I am so Again, that distraught. Line, that line may as well have read, Nicole, are you crying? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, I feel, I feel like it's, Every time I've read this, I feel sick to my stomach reading this scene. And like, and the first time, especially because I didn't, I didn't know if Jin was going to like do anything. But then Jin like stands up and he goes over to the door as all of Bangtan watches from their living room. And he like pounds on Yoongi's door until Yoongi answers. And Jin is just like standing there crying. <laughs> and it's so intense and like horrible. <laughs> and I, yeah, I mean, there are other moments I think that are like, made me cry more maybe but nothing made me feel more than this moment whoosh there's so much to it and like this is the moment Jin has had so many moments through this fic where he's like now is the time or like this would be a good time or like yeah this would be a great time da 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 and like finally when everything happens the timing could not be worse it's terrible Yoongi just went into his room with the girl Jin is crying the rest of the members have no idea what's going on they do like hug him very supportively like it's Namjoon I'm so angry (laughs) it's like a really sweet and beautiful moment Namjoon does say some nonsense he's like you're valid and I'm like oh my god but like it's so well-meaning and like it's so wholehearted and the way that they support him without even knowing what's going on like Jin has a little mini monologue where he's like yeah what they have here is actually really lucky and special um because like they don't know what's happening but they're still like hugging him like this and he didn't think that he could like feel like this scared and this happy at the same time and he just kind of like oh he goes to yoongi and he is just like Jin, who is so composed, who is so careful with his emotions, who is so conscious of the way he's being perceived i think the line is like he knows his face is like half snarled into a sob or something Mm -hmm. like it's not pretty it's not composed it's not perfect it's not he was waiting for the timing to be right and he never got that and I think that's a big message this fic tries to send too of like you have to make things happen for yourself and it's fucking hard but you're not gonna have that moment handed you in a silver platter and even when you are you might not be ready for it 
I also just want to read a line from, so he has this thing, he pounds on Yugi's door, he's sobbing. They talk it out, basically. Uh-huh. Um, and at the very end of that scene in that chapter, it goes, Yugi, uh, I'm bi. Sukjin laughs against Yugi's mouth after a while. And I love you. And I told you about it. Yeah, Hyung, I know. Yugi says after, sounding breathless, I heard you. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't even know how to with my own words express like all of the things that Loin Dexter has done. This like very careful like portrayal of Jin that we've gotten. Um which I think makes the last chapter also all the more poignant because it's Yungi's POV, which I thought was mm-hmm. like so clever and so good. I said at the beginning that this fic has such a satisfying arc, and I think one of the main reasons I felt that way is because of the last chapter, and like the back half of it especially. It's really goofy, it's really fun, and like more than anything, it is just so free and triumphant of like Jin being able to sit with the people that he loves and like share all of these parts of him and also play a prank on his friends there's a through line throughout the fic where Jin's um like queer friends from high school like are continually trying to get him get them to set him up nope get him to set them up with Jimin (laughs) they're like obsessed with him in the last scene they talk about how like one of his dance moves from spring day like has it had this impact on like queer culture and like all this stuff it's great (laughs) Um, so Jin ambushes them by bringing Jimin to their brunch without telling them, essentially. It's just chaos. It's hysterical. But, like, it's so purely joyful, and it feels so earned. Like, this this fic 100% earned that ending, and that made it so sweet. Yeah. And I think, like, that's something that's kind of rare in fic. Like, even some of the fics I love the most, endings are just hard. And, like, I don't... I don't know that like a lot of fix nail them in the way that this one did. And what you said about it feeling earned, like I think that's so rare for stories in general. Like I think so many pieces of media struggle to to write an ending that feels earned and this one does it so fucking well. I want to just end um with the author's notes. Uh, I, th- I think it was Bren who said, like, cried a little bit during the fic, read the author's notes and just wept. Yeah. I did not reread the author's notes oh, this time Nick. because I wasn't sure I had it in <laughs> I read, like, one sentence and I just lost it. Yeah. I I had forgotten a little bit exactly how um, emotional they are. I read it. I did weep. Um, I'm not going to read the entire thing to you, but I would highly implore you to go read it, even if you don't read this fic. Um, and let's see if I can do this. Without my voice wavering. You'll be fine. Okay. Be careful out there. Safety first, safety second, honesty third. But also, try to submit to the mortifying ordeal of being known when you can. Not because it's brave or righteous, but because it might be worth it. If you've commented anywhere that the story hits close to home, then I've known you a little, and the part I know is cool and normal and worthy of seeing the light someday. I'll try too. Thanks, guys. Oh, Loin Dexter. Dexter. There is something about fic, this one in particular, but just fic in general, that um, I trust to handle queer stories in a way that I trust nothing else. Um, You know, uh, there's a lot of jokes about, like, the mortifying ordeal of being known, but sometimes there is no other, there's there's no experience, like, reading a fic and having it touch you so profoundly, the way that this fic did, the way that so many other fics have, um... It is really 
nice to see a story where someone can struggle and have, as we said, such a triumphant, happy ending. And it's also comforting to know that, like, you know, uh, as the author's note said, like, I see you and you see me, whether our stories look the exact same or not, if there is any little bit of this that echoes or resonates with you, like, we are together. Um, I really appreciate this fic for how it how it embodies that, um, how it makes me weep so much but feel okay about it. Um, yeah, this fic is really tender. Um, it's a really, like, intimate portrayal of queerness. Um, it's very near and dear to all of our hearts. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Loin Dexter. All right. Well, after that emotional roller coaster, <laughs> Ficklets, now you can get ready for my three hour long TED talk on pirates and queerness. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like the fix we picked for this week at the surface seem very, very different and yet sort of also weirdly have some through lines about just like what it, what it means to be queer. And like, I think Nick, you said, I don't, both of you have said sort of like what it, what you think it is that you are owed. Um, yeah. So I'm really excited to talk about this fic. It's one of my favorite pieces of fan fiction, like pretty much ever. Um, it's one of those things that like, I read it and I just, I want more, but there's nothing else that is more. <laughs> like, this this is already the more that I was given after the TV show, you know? So really, why am I being greedy? But, you know, it's just that good. Um, okay, so my pick for this week is 15 Men in September by Ballantine. I hope that's how you pronounce it and it's not, like, Ballantien or something. <laughs> but anyway, don't at me. Um, I'm just going to believe that I'm right. Um, this is a fic about the TV show Black Sails. Um, Black Sails is a show about pirates. Wow, bet you never saw that one coming. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's sort of supposedly a prequel to Treasure Island set when, like, the pirates who appear in that book are much younger. Um, it mostly takes place on and around Nassau and, like, focuses on these various groups of pirates. Some of them are real historical characters, um, and some of them are fictional. So that's sort of basically what you need to know for this. Um, there are definitely some content warnings for this piece of fanfiction. Basically, the plot of it- (laughs) Just a couple. Just a couple. To understand the context warnings, the plot of this fic is that, um- Flint, Silver, and their crew have been marooned on a deserted island um, with really no hope of rescue. Uh, That being said, the big content warnings for this would include starvation, um, being marooned on a desert island, uh, a few minor character deaths, some pretty gross injury stuff, and the sort of off-screen specter of cannibalism. So anyway... (laughs) Now that we are all looking forward to how easy and happy a read this is going to be, um, <laughs> let's get into it. Uh, yeah, I think for me, one of the things I love most about this fic is just how good a job it does of sort of building on and distilling down the things I love most about this show. I, okay, tangent. Um, 
Last year, Nick, Reed, and I did this thing with the other people we play D&D with, where we all made little PowerPoint presentations on topics we felt strongly about. Um, Ficklets, I know right now you're thinking, God, I'm so jealous of how cool the Ficklicos are. <laughs> yes, like, wow, they sound like they are just the coolest girls in the world. We are. Thank you. God, they're so cool. Please put your jealousy aside as <laughs> Brett explained <laughs> We know that you too would like to go to a cabin in the woods to do nothing but play RPGs and give PowerPoint presentations for a whole weekend. Yeah. So now that you've gotten over your jealousy, um, I did mine on <laughs> basically queerness and queer temporalities in Black Sails. Um, it's honestly probably what I would have like written my college senior thesis on had I not been so obsessed with robots. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, I can hear you thinking, wow, Brenna, she's so cool. Um, I'm not, I'm not her friend. Anyway, you could be. Join our Discord. Anyway, okay. (laughs) Anyway, so I've given this a lot of thought, but, um, some of the things I love most about Black Sails as a show is that you go into it thinking it's going to sort of be a, just a show about pirates and it's probably going to have a lot of, like, gratuitous, I can't talk, gratuitous, like, violence and sex and, not like a whole lot to say for itself. That's definitely the impression you get in the first couple episodes, at least. And it also kind of feels like maybe any potential queerness is going to sort of be used for mm, like shock value more than in a in a meaningful way. Um, then around the end of season one, and definitely in season two, the show is like, JK, haha, this is actually entirely a narrative about queerness and in what spaces like queerness and queer love can exist. So that's cool. Would you consider that straight baiting instead of queer? <laughs> I mean, I would. <laughs> oh, okay. Love that. You heard it here first, everyone. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it's it's also, I, I feel like it's one of the few shows that both has like really delivered on its promise of like a queer narrative. And honestly, given its it sort of unburied its gaze. It buried them, and then it and then yes. it resurrected them <laughs> um, for so, something resurrect your gaze. close to a happy ending. Um, and it's also one of the few shows I've watched in the last number of years. It's not the only one, but it's one of the few where the showrunners and the writers, I feel like, were really aware of what they wanted to do with a queer narrative. Um, and like the they've they've said in interviews that like the show is sort of about the story of, like, people who have stepped out of a society and out of societal norms into a place where, like, they can actually engage and understand differently, like, their sexuality and, like, these things that they couldn't experience in, like, say, London at the time or in the British Empire, but they can within piracy. Um, so anyway, it's a really great, beautiful show. would highly recommend to literally anyone. Um... I think, like, one of the things that was radical for me about the show is that it uses, like, place and situation to create more space for queer characters and narratives that are about queerness, but not solely about queerness. I think it's very smart in how it makes its characters really full, realized people and how as much as queerness is something that is, like, central to a number of them, it is not the only thing that we know about them and it is also not the only story that we hear about them. And I think for me, that's a really refreshing narrative. Um, I think this fic, even more so than the show at times, does a great job of using like a really full, clear sense of a place, in this case, like this sort of terrible deserted island, um, to reveal things about our characters that they would not have been able to sort of like know about themselves or show to others within like the strict 
Um, like with, within regular society, within sort of like normalized heteronormative society at the time. Anyway, uh, so I have a lot to get into about this fic that I want to talk about, but before I just talk for like half an hour, um, my lovely friends who have not seen this show, what did you think of this fic? Well, uh, reading this fic to me felt like swallowing lit matches, <laughs> but like in a good way. <laughs> like, holy cow, Bren, you warned us, but like... Wow. Yeah, I have not seen Black Sails, unfortunately. I have a very high standard to which um, I watch television. <laughs> this is why I feel like I'm dying. <laughs> uh, no, I have not seen it. I did. The only other context I had for Black Sails, aside from this fic in your PowerPoint presentation, was that one mm-hmm. fan vid that you sent me. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, gl- glittering gold. Gold? Yeah, something gold. Yeah, glittering gold. gold. And then like, yeah. she dies. It's like a whole thing. God. Yeah. It's a really good fan vid. I'll, I'll link it on Twitter after this episode comes out. Yeah, thank you, Brad. I recommend it. Um, so I only knew a bit. Um, I knew it was about pirates. Um, I knew that they were on the water mm-hmm. and that they had guns. Uh-huh. <laughs> things pirates often have, yeah. Yeah, I know all kinds of things. So that was exciting. But um yeah i mean this fic is also very self-contained um it doesn't like there's some references to the outside sort of world of the show but um for the most part it stays pretty internal on this island that they're deserted on it reminded me a bit of lord of the flies in some way um if you have not read lord of the flies i wouldn't really recommend it (laughs) but it is i guess it's a classic whatever i read it for school you know um bunch of little british asshole kids get stranded on an island i shouldn't call them assholes you know a bunch of kids <laughs> get stranded on an island and then like turn on each other and start like attacking each other and like you know it's a whole thing they're like we should eat this kid because he's the fattest kid it's really horrible anyway wouldn't recommend it but the vibe was similar <laughs> wow what a ringing endorsement for this fic i know right this fic is much better um, but it's like, oh, like we're uncovering something about human nature here when everyone is stuck and there's not like this supervision of like normal society as you would define it. Um, and they are dealing with limited resources and people are at odds with each other and suddenly there's competition for water, for food. Um, yeah, it's it's a whole thing. That's what it reminded me of when I first kind of got into the premise, but this this fic y'all like a you don't need hardly any background at all to understand what's happening here um they they read like ocs for the most part um if like me before you heard brenna's powerpoint um you didn't realize that black sails like had anything to do with treasure island and like figures you'd heard of before the first time they say blackbeard in this fic you'll probably be like what the hell (laughs) but you get over it pretty quickly um and he's like not in it a lot it's just like a thing on the side but yeah it's it's super intense it's super dramatic there were points where i was just like completely wide-eyed like staring at the screen like holy cow is this seriously happening right now uh it was spoilers (laughs) not really but yeah, just wow. Um, I felt very feral over it and also very soft at certain parts. Like, the romance is so well done. Oh, it's just wow. I, 
was very immersed. I was not bored reading this fic. (laughs) I don't know how you could be, quite honestly. This fic is brutal. And usually when I use that word, I mean it in the like, oh, my heart, my emotions. Uh Um, Yeah, I mean, like Nick said, like I was tender at parts. Like the emotions are good. It is uh, brutal in the way that like, as you may have gathered from the content warnings, like this fic does not flinch away from the most horrible ugly parts of mm-hmm. like the logistics of being marooned on an island mm-hmm. especially one that is like made to be like there's like no trees there's no anything it is a flat rock in the middle of water like that's it um but weirdly like i didn't i'm trying to figure out how to phrase this when i say like it wasn't difficult to read in the sense that like even though it was like this unflinching horrible look i was so immersed in the fic that i wasn't like like squicked to the point that I couldn't read it or anything I was like this is just phenomenally yeah. well written like this is uh, a really like difficult horrible thing that they're going through but like there's no way that I wouldn't want to like keep reading and and like see this fic through um if that makes any sort of sense um the the prose is beautiful like there are some lines that like just absolutely like knocked me off my feet um I also really really enjoyed getting to know the characters so the pov is silver and i really enjoyed getting to know like all of the characters but especially like flint through his perspective i thought he was like a fascinating character i loved being like inside of his mind um i also like i picked up on some breadcrumbs here or there where i was like oh I assume, like, this is from canon, mm-hmm. um, or, like, this is from canon, and, it, like, even even not knowing anything, like, those moments were impactful, but I know Bren was saying to us, like, that the fic is, like, super clever in what it chooses to, like, use a reference from canon, um, and I just thought, like, as a testament to how well-written the fic is, as someone who knows nothing, even I was able to pick up on some of that mm-hmm. and, like, get the larger meaning, um, and then I obviously had the um, the most important context that anyone could need, which is Bren's PowerPoint yeah, presentation. Yeah, yeah. It was a very good, it was a very good PowerPoint. Like, oh, it was. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I reread um, it for the first time in like a year last night and I was like, wow, I actually made some points in this that like we're, we're good. <laughs> yeah, no, this was like a very good fic, but also like tough. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very tough. You might, if you've seen this show, there is a chance that you are sitting wherever you're sitting or walking or standing right now, listening to this podcast, thinking to yourself, Brenna, you're talking about how like great a queer narrative Black Sails is, blah, blah, blah. But like the queer narrative isn't between Flint and Silver. It's between Flint and Thomas Hamilton. Like, why are you reading fic for this thing that's not like the actual canon queer pairing when like a show has finally given us an actual queer pairing? And I just want to say in defense of myself, <laughs> I feel like the show did such a good job with Flint and with Thomas Hamilton that I didn't want anything more than what it had already given me. Like, it was so good. Like, canon canon went beyond my, like, kind of wildest expectations for, like, what I could get from a show like this. Um, And the relationship that I feel like I didn't have the closure with that I wanted was between Flint and Silver. So, anyway, just in case you're you're wondering, like, ooh, classic fandom to, like, not think that, like, the queer relationship is actually, like, enough, you know, or, like whatever anyway it's only good if it's forbidden yeah exactly like I, I kind of just wanted to clarify that it's not because I'm like a Thomas Hamilton auntie <laughs> I just think for once in my life canon actually did a really good job with them um okay but getting back to this fic um I thought we like both of you kind of mentioned feeling like the characters 
could be read without a lot of exterior knowledge and like you felt like you got a good picture of like them through the writing through each other and I think this fic has both one of my favorite beginnings and one of my favorite ends to any fanfic I think like the first sort of little what about the middle I mean yeah but like <laughs> A lot of fanfics have good middles. A lot have kind of weak beginnings and ends. Um, Sure. And this one, I think the first section, when they first find themselves on this island, it introduces you to all the characters so immediately and you get the sense of them so quickly. I think it's just incredibly well executed. Like literally the first line is, well, this is a poor turn of affairs, Silver says. And just from that line I could like hear it in my head like and I think every little observation you get just in this first like I don't know less than a hundred words probably um a hundred words I don't know I don't know how many words are a thing but this (laughs) this first little little tiny section you get a sense of silver you get a sense of flint you get a sense of their dynamic um you get a sense of sort of like their key personality traits you get a sense that flint is always thinking like one step ahead that silver doesn't want to show weakness and he's kind of gonna like put on a face even when he's uncertain you get all these things that prove to be so important about them right away and not in an info dumpy way just through conversation and it's so smart and so well written um the prose throughout this fic I could, I could just go on forever. I could like read you a selection of my favorite quotes. I won't do that. <laughs> but there's some lines in here that I think are so, so good. And for me, I think the fact they come out of this, like, I think that's another thing that kind of mimics the show for me. Like the show also has some really poignant lines and I think they are made all the better by sort of like how bleak the show can be at times. And I think this fic mimics that. Like, there's a balance between sort of the stark reality and like harshness of their situation and like how fucking amazing the prose is sometimes and like how lyrical it can be that I think works really well together for this. Um, And then at the very end of the fic, the narration sort of references back to Treasure Island and the fact that that's going to happen like a number of years down the line. Um, And it's sort of... uh, so it sort of says, like, someday years from now on a different island with a different crew, he will, see, he will hear a song on the wind. And it sort of talks a little bit about, like, a future POV of Silver. And then it says, but all of that is a lifetime from now and doesn't merit attention. Men do best when they are living by the second and not dwelling too much on past or future. John Silver happens to be very good at this. And I think it's just such a nice way to wrap it up and to also sort of bring it back into, like, the context of the show and then the context the show has put itself in. Um, I don't know. I just think it's like, I keep like not having the words to say what I want to say, but like, I think coming to this fic as someone who loves the canon of the show so deeply, it's incredibly rewarding to read a fic where it's clear that the author feels the same way and to read a fic that's so balanced with what I love about canon. It doesn't really feel like it's saying that there were things missing or that it's going to change all that much. It's just showing us something that could be that hasn't been. And I think that's so perfect for fan fiction. Yeah, when it referenced Treasure Island, A, I didn't really realize it was Treasure Island until I looked in the comments and people were talking about it. But B, I also was like, wait, I think I know Treasure Island. And then I remembered I actually have Robinson Crusoe as a book, which I think is a completely different thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. So actually, I don't know Treasure Island. Uh, so I, my assumption based on my own feelings is that Treasure Island is about Flint and Silver having a farm <laughs> together and being happy. <laughs> I decided. That's, I love that interpretation. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I worked really hard on it. Yeah, no, like, oh, God, AO3 is your Ballantine or Ballantine or however you say it. Like, I will take you to court based <laughs> on the comment that you wrote that essentially said, like, God, someone was saying, oh, it's so sad. Like, Treasure Island is coming. Like, I know, like, they're not going to get to have this forever. Like, oh, their happiness is so fleeting, yada, yada, yada. Um, and... Aethyser Valentine says, and don't feel too bad. They have years before things go bad. Sometimes that's what life gives you. Oh my god. I'll see you in court. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely am filing a lawsuit. That is unbelievable. I mean, I love it. I agree. But like, oh my god, please. You just broke my heart. And now you're trying to console me with more heartbreaking things. Ooh, like... Not to keep harping on this same thing, but, like, how much do you have to do and give before you get to be happy? Like, it's it's not this equal exchange. You can't earn yourself your happy ending. Well, that's, like, a huge sort of question of the show in general is, like, mm. we, we basically learn that, like, Flint isn't a pirate because he wants gold or glory or something like that. He's a pirate because he wanted to go to war with... England over Thomas Hamilton basically it's and he oh, wants casual. to like earn him yeah he like wants to like it is this narrative of like this man trying to earn something back to to feel like he deserves a happiness um yeah anyway I think you're you're right on it Nick like Thanks. like that's the, that's sort of the question of the show and like it's very much the question of this fic as well there's something so particularly horrible too i guess about how like they're on this like rock in the middle of the, in the middle of nowhere starving like being stripped mm -hmm. down of like anything that makes them like human like like just like slowly being chipped away at and it's only like here in this place where there is nothing else where they like can't escape it where they like mm -hmm. and silver finally um come together it's oh it's horrible mm -hmm. like Oh, God, I wish I had more eloquent words to say about it. But like, <laughs> Oh, God. No, I mean, there's just something so, like, striking about it, too, because, um, so Silver, at least as far as my understanding of him, the Silver of this fic, like, the thing, like, one of the things he prides himself the most on is, like, his mind, that he's very mm -hmm. sharp and, like, clever um, and has always been, like, very good at, like, assessing people and know, knows, like, what people need. Like, that's why he's the quartermaster, because he's able to sort of, like, temper flint and like get flint's respect but also like the crew really likes him whereas the crew like does not like flint mm -hmm. um like silver thinks that he has a very clear perspective about like what flint wants what flint is thinking um and he like to to slowly find out all of these things about like this treasure that he's really mad that like flint did something about but also um like realizing that flint cares about him in a way that is more than just like this intense partnership like it's I mean the way that it unravels is like beautifully done but also again like contrasted with the fact that like it took this for them to get there mm -hmm. 
just makes me sad. I don't know. I wish I had better yeah, words. I think, I think that's one of the things I kind of love most about it. And I think for me, I see it partially as like, this is what it takes to get them to realize it. But it's also like, this is what it takes like, this is what allows them that. Like, mm. it is both sort of a curse and a gift in some mm-hmm. ways. And I think a big narrative of the, sh- of the show and sort of, like, why it allows, like, us to see these queer narratives within piracy is because it's set so far outside of, like, sort of societal norms. It's, a, it's the norms are the tool of imperialism and piracy is against the English Empire, like they're directly at odds. Um, and one of the biggest tools of imperialism is shame. And the show has a really like thought out narrative on shame. And um, it's a word that kind of keeps coming up around Flint and Thomas Hamilton and queerness in general. And in this fic as well, and I, I honestly don't think there's a black self fic that exists in the world that does not reference no no shame because it's like I think we all collectively as a fandom got like punched in the stomach by that one (laughs) um but I think there's this idea that like when you are in a place as hopeless and horrible and without resources and without community as this island you are stripped down to your like barest parts um I think that's what you're saying like we've sort of gotten at this before about like you, it's sort of this question of like humanity at that point but on the one hand it's like okay when you're at that point when you're at your like most reduced state it can lead to things like violence but it can also allow for these things that were maybe hidden by shame and by these other societal conventions and you can only get those when like everything else is taken away and then it allows space for like these unexpected kind of beautiful things to grow in their stead yeah, it's a lot. Um, I reading this fic, I the first time that they kiss, I was just like, "You can't see my face. I'm staring very dramatically into space and just kind of like, you know how like in that so Raven." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> when she's like, oh my that's god. how I felt. I was just like, oh my god, except instead of, you know, seeing the future, I just looked inside of myself <laughs> and saw devastation. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, they they touch each other so gently, and it is such a massive contrast to the violence that so many of these men inflict upon each other. Um, mm-hmm. And some of it is physical like very very close violence like silver murdering creedy literally with his bare hands um and then injuring himself further to make it look like it was more of a two-sided confrontation than it was um you have that you have someone who got super drunk and killed two crewmates and then threw himself off a cliff that's that's what we assume happened that's the account that we're given by someone else and we also even have like Toward the beginning, Flint and Silver and Billy kind of know that they're sending Liam to his death Mm -hmm. when they ask him to try and make the trip that Williams couldn't, to swim to a different island and try to get help and come back. Like, there's not really a question in their minds that this likely is not a trip he's going to return from. 
like that's violence too and to have that contrasted so starkly against like not only the way in which flint and silver are intimate with each other but the way that silver thinks about that intimacy while Mm -hmm. it's happening like it's so it's so careful it's so gentle it is so at odds with what we imagine this stereotype of piracy to be but what you were saying bread makes so much sense that like piracy is not just about violence it's actually about a separation from oppression in some ways yeah am i am i a pirate sympathizer (laughs) (laughs) you i think we all are after reading this fic (laughs) yeah maybe at the very least for the aesthetics if nothing else okay like i love a good pirate aesthetic sure um something i was thinking about when you were talking about the violence of this fic nick Mm. is that um there's a scene with billy where which billy also is a fascinating character to me because he's i guess sort of like the third in command but he like he's not like against billy i listen i think it's so i (laughs) i said this to brett and nick before we started recording i was like you have like flint cool name silver cool name and billy he's there (laughs) um Note for Billy, he's probably the only one of the three of them using a real name. So. <laughs> okay, but like, that's what I mean. He should have picked a better pirate name. That's that's a fair criticism, Reed. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, um, so Billy is in this place where he's sort of like, he's not against Flint and Silver, but he's not like with them either. Mm-hmm. He like mm-hmm. is not pleased with a lot of the things they're doing. Anyway, after uh, Silver kills Creedy, like they, you know, the crew is sort of like questioning what has happened. And Billy sort of sees through silver's lie that it was a a very two-sided fight um but there's a bit where silver like fights down nausea and like thinks that he's sitting but he's thinking in his head like if he was standing he probably would have stumbled and he hates that like he hates showing any sort of like weakness but billy like sees it and is relieved because he's like oh oh actually like you do feel bad about this and silver was like yeah i fucking feel bad about this it's horrible for the reader it's horrible for silver like Horrible for Creedy, arguably. <laughs> well, he's dead, so I guess it's done. Um, yeah, but no, I just, I just, I appreciated that too. That it was like that that through line existed for the characters as well as for mm-hmm. us. Yeah, I think this fic also like it's so smart in not having everything sort of be resolved once Flint and Silver get together. Um, there is still this huge struggle just for survival that continues on after that. Um, and things get worse for them. Silver, um, as many of you might know, John Silver has part of his leg missing. Um, his leg gets infected in this fic and he is basically experiencing blood poisoning by the end of it um, or by by the time they are rescued. And so things have gotten really dire. Like Silver is kind of out of it and like not really like lucid for the last few days that they're on the island and a big part of it just be- comes down to like just a struggle to survive like I think in a lot of fix where you they weren't in this position there could be sort of this other narrative about like getting to know each other and sort of like nicer more romantic things but it's literally like dates. it's like they realize farming. that they yeah <laughs> farming <laughs> um it's like they realize that they not only have these feelings for each other, but that they sort of like trust each other in this in like su- this deep, intense way. And and then instead of being able to sort of like enjoy that, it, it's Flint just telling Silver like, "Don't you fucking give up on me? Like you, 
like you don't get to die now basically mm-hmm. um yeah i think it's like it's just it's really intense um and it continues to be intense like after they get together and i think that's one of the things that like makes it so hard hitting um and it continues to sort of have these like shifts in power dynamics as well between flint and silver and billy and the rest of the crew as well like and it's just uh you guys go read this fucking fic i'm out of words <laughs> something that i was kind of thinking about for a lot of this fic but especially at the very end um was a, a quote from a poem i had seen on tumblr the thing that sparked me thinking about it in particular was um after they've been rescued like Flint keeps trying to have a conversation with Silver and Silver compares it to like facing down an entire Spanish Armada um, and like how it feels about the same. Um, And it made me think about this quote from, I hope I'm pronouncing this uh, poet's name right, Warson Shire. The excerpt is from a poem called War Poem. um, And it says, what do I do? I want to make love. My hair smells of war and running and running. And that just kind of, for me, was, like, the crux of the silver and flint in this fic of, like, wanting each other but having all of these, like, huge, seemingly insurmountable things in the way and then getting the chance to have all of that stripped away and still finding each other. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was just a, a quote I was thinking about that feels emblematic of their relationship to me. Yeah, I think on that note, there's, like, one line towards the end of this fic that I think kind of goes hand in hand with what you just said, Reed, and, like, kind of is emblematic of their relationship for me, or, like, what they've come to at the end, which is um, when Silver thinks to himself, is this what love is, he wonders? Isn't it supposed to be prettier, softer? Perhaps this is the only type of love men like them are permitted. Love that must operate in the negative as a constant struggle against what the world would otherwise allot them. And I think that's just, like, that's it, baby! (laughs) Yeah. That's the good shit. All right. Um, so as much as I like, would love to keep talking about this fic, yeah. um, please come yell at me on Twitter or in our Discord or just shout into the night sky and I will hear you. <laughs> 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 uh, just just holler out your window. Um, that was 15 Men in September by Valentine. It is um, a fic about sort of like how unexpected like love and tenderness can be found in even the harshest of places um even when you feel like you have nothing left uh it is also one of the best sort of like canon compliant fix i've ever read it has such a good handle on its plot on its characters its prose is impeccable i cannot speak highly enough of this fic please fucking go read it (laughs) um you'll find me like on a street corner with like a sign that says read 15 men in september (laughs) uh okay i think that's it for me this week though Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit Click. Uh, I had a lot of feelings in it, so I hope you enjoyed them. <laughs> um, if you too have feelings about fan fiction, you can always find us on Twitter at FitClick, Tumblr at fitclick.tumblr.com, or on our Discord server. So if you actually head over to our Twitter, uh, we have a pinned tweet that has links out to everything you need, including a link to our server. So feel free to jump in. We've had a lot of fun talking to 
listeners um, about the podcast, but also about like so many other things. Um, so many other things. Yeah, fic and not fic related. So um, also there are so many pet pictures in there. So if you, like me, are missing your dogs or want to share your dogs with me um, or, you know, other animals, also great. Um, please join. We have fun. Also, you can be Brenna's friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a Discord exclusive perk. Yes. <laughs> yeah, ex- exclusive perk for our ficlets. <laughs> um so yeah that was this episode um if you enjoy our show um you know feel free to like leave us a really nice review on apple podcasts you know or don't but like or do um it is helpful and lovely and also makes us very happy so that would be sick um yeah tell a friend tell your mom to listen to the show you know we have fun over here we love our moms of the pod moms of the pod Mm -hmm. hell yeah um yeah so for our next episode which will be coming out on may 8th um nick what are you bringing i am so excited about this okay so i'm bringing a fic called persistence by northland um it is a jane austen persuasion fic so it's based on the novel um which i actually think i'm gonna go out and say this Persuasion is my favorite Jane Austen novel. I know it's bold. I have a lot of favorites, but this is currently my favorite. Um, It's Anne Elliot, Frederick Wentworth. So, you know, like the main pairing. Uh, It's great. It's epistolary. I love this fic um, and it's quick. So if you, like me, are, you know, an Austen fan or just want to read a quick fic, that's great. Um, I'm really excited to talk about it. Okay, read. For those of you, I was just going to say, for those of you who are on Twitter, however many months ago yeah uh, but in Nicole's oh yeah poll, where <laughs> nicole was like hey ficlets should i bring this fic uh this one's for you i actually said should i make brenna and reed read this persuasion <laughs> fic and you all voted yes so we're doing it we're here i'm really excited yeah um my fic oh my god i'm so excited i know i said that last week and obviously we're every, single week. Week. every single week I, oh my god okay nick was like sitting next to me on the couch as I was reading this and I could not stop myself from audibly reacting. Uh-huh. Um, it's a Witcher fic. Woo! I'm so excited. I've been looking for a Witcher fic to bring to the pod. Toss um, a fic to your Witcher. Yes. Thank you. Um, I've been looking for a fic that is not just Aslet's fic because much as we love Aslet <laughs> in this pod, like other very good authors also <laughs> exist. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So this fic is called The Gates. It's by XPDX. And it is Geralt Emir. Emmer, mm, listen, I've played a lot of the game now and characters say it both ways, but I think most of them say Emir. So I'm saying it's Geralt Emir. Um, oh my God, it's so good. Okay, I'm very excited for it. Bren, what are you bringing? <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is a last minute choice that I made a couple minutes ago. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> um, I'm going to bring Geralt by June. It's a hockey fic. It's Sidney Crosby, Claude Giroux. It's very good. If you're in hockey fandom or were in hockey fandom in the last two years, you probably read this fic. You might be raising your eyebrows right now. Let's all just get ready for it, though. (laughs) I think it's going to be fun. Um, Yeah. 
we will see you back here in a couple weeks with a new episode. In the meantime, like Nick said, you can find us on our social media. Um, you can always listen back to other episodes if you're just really missing us, or you can join our Discord and chat with us there. Um, on our Twitter, we also have links to some merch now, which is fun and cool. Um, we've also been trying to retweet some like fic fests or other just like fic and fandom related things that people are putting on during this time where a lot of us are just in our homes all day. Um, so if you are running one, if you know of one, go ahead and send it to us. Um, we would love to retweet it and help you spread the word. Um, all right, see you next time. Bye! Bye. Bye. <laughs>